We should uh, have a shot. One last toast. Pour one out for the homies. <laughs> for ranchmen's, right? <laughs> Got to pour one out for the homies. It's sad times, man. It's sad times. Do we need? Where do we pour it though? Just pour it. Don't pour it on the dog. <laughs> don't pour it on the podcast equipment. Yeah, no, don't pour. We don't need to pour one out inside, but yeah. We'll Today is. In. It's the time to pour one out for the homies, though, man. So the news just hit on. Uh, I guess it was Saturday, really. Yeah, that's when it. Uh, ranchmen's no longer the building. Forever. Has is back up for uh, for lease, fifty years, forty eight, whatever, but 50, almost fifty. Yes, pretty near fifty years time. in Calgary. That's pretty. It's born cool in seventy two. They kind of like it's it's so, so iconic and yeah, it's like preserved like the, the old like kind of honky tonk vibe. Yeah, over all these years, and I've had so many so many fun times in that bar. It's insane. I can't yeah. even count. But I, yeah, yeah I lost track because I was fucked up. Most yeah, of literally, time. like. I've been drunk in that bar more places than anywhere else in my life, for sure. More than even at my own home. Well, see, uh, it's just cool, like how well that they treated the cowboy people. Yeah, it was at such that a bar. You don't ever get that experience that way, anywhere. Yeah, like literally, would show up, would never wait in the line, not even for get a drink. Free beers. Hardly. Yeah, support us. They they fed people at mm-hmm. one point, like, and they fed us too. Like they had mm-hmm. sandwiches after the bull the bull bus in there for twenty years. One of the best like, events in the country. One of the best events in the country. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's a yeah, it's a special place. I don't. I guess I don't. I don't know about. It's. Uh, I'm glad we got to experience it for sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. I would have been sad. I'd be sad to be a kid now, not being able to go to ranchmen's. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's like kind of now, iconic with Calgary. Yeah, it would like even now I'll miss going when I get older because I'm sure that I, there would be like a phase where like I didn't go for the last couple mm-hmm. years. Really, because well, it's been fun. Like drink stampede, it's fun to go. Oh yeah, yeah. it's always bumping. Like place, that's like right? one of the busiest places going. It'll what be are we weird. gonna do during the stampede now? It'd be weird, man. man I kind of, it kind of like. It's weird because like the ranchman's bull busting is like the unofficial kickoff mm-hmm. to the stampede. Yeah, and you kind you lose that part of it. Kind of like yeah, you lose three day. you lose three days of fun. I uh, I I don't know what to say, man. It's a it's a like you said, it's a sad day. It's a it's it sucks. It's not mm-hmm. you know it's part of what happened. Like and it and things definitely had had changed since new ownership. For like sure. it definitely was a bit different. But I mean, but still to lose that icon. But I mean, we're not losing. Uh, the building is still there at this point, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. for it's gonna be it's for lease right now. So, new so that means come in. technically they could somebody could come back and and start again in some capacity. I don't know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, the the problem knows? that fate that Ranchman faces in this day and age. When are they gonna get to open again? Well, on that as well, but like in normal times, it's so far out of like the entertainment district of Calgary. Yeah, true. Like it's it from, used to be out of town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like hit that on the way back to home in Okotoks. Yeah, or like on the way back to Southern Alberta. Yeah, exactly. It used and like, to be, and like for and like for it's me, probably yeah, just that I li- and the like, Stetson Hotel was yeah. all that was around, probably. Yeah, and like for me, living downtown, it's still a twenty-minute cab ride for me to the ranch. Or a from, couple trains. Yeah, train stations. Where like for most people, going out in Calgary, like you just go downtown yeah. and you can walk everywhere, right? It so. was it was a thirty-three dollar cab ride from the house. Yeah. I know, I knew it because I would often jump in a cab and then sleep all the way home. I remember one night I went during Stampede. <laughs> I spent more money cabbing back and forth to here. Really? Than I did at the bar. At the bar. Yeah. Well, so we gotta just we gotta get back to our ranchman stories here in a sec. But we gotta mention this is episode seventy four. This is cowboy shit with Ted and Wacy. I'm Ted. He's Wacy. Yo yo. Thanks for listening. 
but we're talking ranchmen. So ranchmen, for those of you who don't know, those who haven't been to Calgary or the Stampede, because we do have listeners mm-hmm. now that aren't from around here, the ranchmen is the place to go during the Stampede. Yeah. If you don't go to the ranchmen, it's not the real place. It's been featured in cool runnings in the in the movie with, yeah, with the Jamaican bobsled the team. The bobsled is still there. It's part yeah, of the memorabilia is, yeah. at the bar, which have been apparently seized by the bank. We don't know what this looks like yet. If you have a saddle in there or anybody in your family has one, um, we're going to be posting information soon on how to get that back, what that looks like. Um, apparently, stay tuned. I don't know what that looks like, but just stay tuned to socials. It might already be posted by now, but just stay tuned. If you know me, give me a call. Uh, we'll get it sorted out at some mm-hmm. point. But we'll get make sure everybody gets their saddles back, whatever that looks like. They were on loan to ranchmen, so they're not uh, technically property of ranchmen. The bank can't seize them, or they shouldn't be able to. There'll be a legal battle of some sort if there mm-hmm. has to be, but everyone's going to get their stuff back, I guarantee. I just hope that the bank didn't wreck it when they go yeah. and fucking tore it out of their rafters. If they did, we will see. But let's go talk about... Oh, another... Uh, a, a cool, another cool thing about Ranchman's, too, is like some iconic like artists have played there. Oh, yeah. Kickstarted Paul Brandt's yeah. career. Toby Keith. There was a signed Toby Keith yeah. cut out in there. He was one of the people. Keith Urban's played there. Went there. Yeah, Keith Urban. Um, I don't even know who else, man. It's, it's, a, it's a, unreal. I think Kenny Chesney was in there once. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. like There's been some really big names come through there. Yeah, the whole Dvorkin family, uh, the McDonald's. Uh, you go into Wendy Daniel, like mm-hmm. just such a great crew, and like Unreal I made people. a lot of friends there. Mm-hmm. You know, people that I still am friends with today, and that uh, that I met at the at the ranchman's. You know, well, like it's kind of like it was like one of the place. last true like honky tonk, like country bars yeah. around. Like you don't see that like that yeah. style of bar around anymore. I'm gonna have to bring one back. Call it Bandits. We'll see, <laughs> cowboy shit. The bar <laughs> could happen. No phones allowed. No That'd phone be allowed. that could be could get, know, could could get dicey, be bad. But could get good. I don't know. You just check your phone in and one of those little yonder things you get at the comedy shows now. What or happens the in cowboy shit stays, stays in, cow- in cowboy shit. No phones allowed. Yeah, that'd be, be kind of like it'd be kind of fun to do fun shit again. Like I remember there was a story about like I remember Schiffner told me about it where they like flooded the bar. There was somebody there from like GQ magazine or something crazy, mm-hmm. and they like had like a fucking water fight in the bar. They're like remember times weren't there times where they kick everybody else out and we were just hanging out in there drinking by ourselves in the mm-hmm. last few years, and like. Oh, they man, man. They, they they there's they unreal. treated like the like I said we talked about earlier, but like they treated the cowboy people like so well there. Oh like, yeah, there'd be times I'd show up with like me and like fifteen friends, and the lineup let would be around right the fucking building, and they'd just <laughs> let us right in. Like no, who actually I, who would who waits in that line? I don't know anybody. That, that was like but one of my guilty pleasures in life was like rolling up to ranchmen's and the lineups just, just super right long. In. You just walk in, you're just like ah, you guys suck. <laughs> I went I went there. Oh, we spent a lot of money at that place. Oh, too. dude, yeah. I, I went. I much. went there a few years ago, and it was after there was a big concert at the Saddle Dome, and they had like if you had your t- ticket, you could get in like to the through the VIP line. Yeah. So I show up there with a couple friends, and I'm like, I get in the VIP line, and this big tall guy who was at the concert, he's like, "You're not getting in before me." And I'm like, "Watch me, bitch." Yeah, I'm going to. <laughs> so I go and like I know like all the people who work. It the wasn't Timbo though, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> And then it was like I, I like walk I like the, like my buddy comes out who's working and like lets us, me and all my friends in before all these concert people yeah. and I just like look back at this big dog I'm just like yeah see you later man bye bye <laughs> should, probably shouldn't have been doing that but I did anyways but yeah, yeah it's been good man I've had some but even if you did almost get in a fight you'd have had been backed up exactly I didn't I feel like I didn't get into as many shenanigans as some folks at that place oh there like, I got really messed up and like mm-hmm. I remember probably my classic move was untucking people's shirts mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. I remember one time I was with junior I was stand upside junior. And I, uh, we were in this co- that stampede competition uh, for the like ultimate interns back in like 2012. I remember like uh, later in the year, maybe like the next year, I don't know when it was, but I remember like for some stupid reason I had a dip of Copenhagen in, <laughs> and then this chick that I like competed against, I had never met her before, 
uh, ever before, but she just comes up and just kisses me right on the mouth. <laughs> and like, I literally never met her before in like in real life. Like yeah. I met her online or whatever, like on the stuff. And like, I don't know if we've even talked before, but I'm like, hey, I'm, I was like, oh, hey, good to see you. And she just comes up and just kisses just me right in the mouth. Go French. And I had like a bit of Copenhagen in for Aww. some reason. And I'm like, I guess she just got a, some secondhand hag in there. Oh, that's so gross. Secondhand Copenhagen. Oh, so yeah. that was a funny time. And then another time, our editor, Sean Morton, <laughs> he and I, after the Garth Brooks concert, I think it was the, what, what might have been the same year. It was 2012, the 100th Stampede. I think Sean traded me a Garth Brooks ticket for to stay at the house for the whole week. I don't know why he gave me the ticket. I, I would have paid for it. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah. whatever. But we went to the Garth Brooks concert and got all, we got all messed up on the cocaine dome foams. Oh, man. And just got trouble. totally piled up, right? And just wrecked. Like, I shouldn't have drove to the bar. Sean was already further <laughs> in than bottled. I was. But right below, it's like mid-afternoon. You drink a couple beers after the rodeo. Then you go to the concert, drink a few beers. Oh, yeah. It's like 10 o'clock or whatever. The concert's done. 10, 30, 11. I don't know what time it was, whatever. You're crippled by 7 p.m. Yeah, right? So we have the, like, I remember Garth was just having such a time and he was like sweating and like flinging sweat out off his, like, trying to like, it was, it was rough. Like he was, it was hot. It was That's awesome. We drank a bunch of dome beers, drove to the ranchman's after. And then, uh, Sean didn't actually make it out of the car. <laughs> we had my old Monte Carlo yeah. with the big doors. And there was tinted windows on it, luckily. So it was like a little cooler when mm-hmm. we, when you drive in like what in the middle of July. So Sean never made it in the bar. I went to the Kubi stand. I think I went inside, maybe had one or two drinks because he was ahead of me already on this, on that day. So he didn't even make it inside. I don't know why he wanted to go to the bar, but I guess it's a far enough drive that he passed. <laughs> it's funny because I'm having a hard time picturing Sean like that. <laughs> I don't know that. I don't You've know that Sean before. Yeah, I don't know that Sean. Before he was married. Uh, I think before he met his wife. But anyways, we're really popped up. <laughs> go to the bar. Uh, and then I remember just, I remember like blacking out for a while. Like, I don't know. I, 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 there's a, there's a part of it where I don't remember what happened, but I think I went in for a while. I definitely got a Kubasaw, definitely ate at least part of the Kubasaw. And then I woke up in a haze in the morning in the parking lot of ranchmen's oh, no. in the back. And it's like starting to get warm and it's light out and it's like, you know, get the light out so early and it's yeah. Like mid morning and I wake up and I'm like, Oh God. And I don't know why, why, but I open the window, I open the door of the car up for some reason. Maybe just got some fresh air or something like just, you know, we felt like we're dying. Sean's still passed out. <laughs> and then I like look out the door and I'm like, fuck, who puked on my car? And because the, like there was like, a little bit of puke like right on my car and like on the little like on the side thing. Yeah. Like right on the driver. Like I'm sleeping in the driver's seat. Probably also illegal after you're piled up. And he's like, yeah, that was you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that now. <laughs> <laughs> literally puked up my Kubi with the onions oh, and everything right by the nasty. side of the car. <laughs> Thought somebody else really. puked in my car, but it was me actually. So then we gather ourselves back up, and I guess I don't know if we came. I don't know if we came home first. We might have just went right to the rodeo. I think he had to go work and do pyro all day, oh. some stupid twelve-hour shift doing pyro, and like then you end up back at the ranchman's that night, anyways. Probably, yeah. That's how it was. We might have taken a night off. I don't know. There's there were some times where I went like ten to ten. Oh yeah, or yeah. like fourteen days in a row, and like the funnest nights sometimes were on Sunday, where like it was just the cowboys, like, just our crew yeah. there, and it was like some of the most fun nights because like. Everybody's there. Somebody that well, won the hundred grand like, let there. you run the bull and like they'll let you do anything there. Oh yeah, awesome. we just had kind of run of the run of the place yeah. there. On like, and it was less crowded. It was like less busy. And we got to visit a bit more. And there was like a bit a couple presentations we did there one time with like when Dustin and Morgan won it uh, in fourteen. That was a really fun. Well, time. Did, oh, we did yeah the the NFR party. That was we super did the fun. NFR party. That like, was a good that was time like December. the beginning of our podcast. Yeah, it was exactly the same uh, same, same time year. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I got a throw hats off to uh to wendy daniels uh uh the whole crew at ranchman's uh, harris devorkin was one of the founders with kevin baker mm-hmm. back in the day kevin still owns the building in the land 
but uh, but Harris passed away in 2017. The family sold the bar, um, and uh, but yeah, the McDonald's. Uh, Sarah and I did a whole mm-hmm. did a whole. Uh, we did like a, a museum guide at one point because the, the saddles in there were literally a museum. There were 91 saddles. We have I have exactly what they are. So like I said, if anybody needs a hand on what was in there, if they need to find their stuff, we'll mm-hmm. we'll get it figured out one way or another. Uh, I'm sure we'll have some help if we need some legal help. We get it figured out one of my uh what's yeah what are you one of my favorite one of my favorite stories from ranchman's was uh it was my first time on your phone you got to remember no no no, no, i'm just i'm just uh getting something else lined up uh (laughs) oh was that uh, oh music yeah okay um but yeah i thought you had a date no 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 uh it was my first summer in alberta and i think i ended up staying at your place a few nights probably how many, i wonder how many people we're at now because remember that time we counted up we had oh, like, like over 120 people yeah 120 people have stayed at the house yeah so cody floyd and i got roped into doing the pole climb well and you guys uh you guys uh you were the coach that year oh was i because that, that was how i got out of it probably yeah, yeah i didn't have to yeah you somehow convinced cody and i to do it and cody and i were both kind of the similar like scared of heights kind of guy and like, so we got like pretty drunk to do this and literally we're Fighting like your the pole climb is like a Monday. It's a, it's the, the Monday best Monday stampede. in the world. It's a lot of fun. It's a little less busy again too. And like that might have been the GQ night when they had the water fight. It was a pole climb night. It's like a cowboy team versus firefighters. Like why the fuck mm-hmm. are cowboys racing firefighters on a pole? Like well, those guys, of like us, the, the firefighters are uh, every year just like on the other side drinking water and doing push-ups yeah, and stuff. And the cowboys like, are just crushing beers, just getting <laughs> hammered up. And man, I don't know. I was never very yeah. good at it. I think I did it like twice. I made it up. I made it up and down. But then, anyway, so yeah, Cody, they, so they cal- they Calcutta each contestant off. Yeah, and Cody got, like, was literally stuff up there. He's the drunkest guy in Alberta. He takes his like pole climb shirt that he got, throws it into the crowd, and then so he has to go. He gets down after he sells, and he goes down and finds this lady who grabbed his shirt. I don't know She's, what they sold us for. Like it was a bit of uh, fundraising, but like no, like, nothing happened. Like you didn't get the cowboy for the night, really. We were all too effed up. The girls who bought me, I like got them into the bar. They're from oh, Toronto. Really? Yeah, oh, that's neat. Um, what they pay for you? I like three hundred fifty bucks. Really? That's crazy. Yeah. So what happened? Anything sweet? I'm not finishing my story about Cody. It's not okay, over sorry, yet. Sorry. <laughs> So Cody goes goes to get the shirt, and this lady's not getting. And she's like a like middle aged woman. She's not giving him a shirt back. She's oh, no. like, I'll give you my shirt though. So this bird takes off her like like she's and she's like an extra small size like just a tiny lady and cody's a big like six foot like tall fellow yeah so she gives him his shirt and cody's wearing this this tiny little like plaid pink shirt around yeah. it, this thing and then he uh, somehow got two smithville stickers on his nipples <laughs> <laughs> i have a picture of him somewhere on my instagram i think and oh, yeah man, man he was the most crippled guy in the, all of canada and he somehow made it up and down the pole oh day, man pole i think down. i remember that it was so that funny man it was cody. good times yeah. parts of it what a great time ranchman yeah Good spot. Oh man, what else? I'm not gonna miss there? the fucking line dancing though. I yeah, hate that. Not a fan of line dancing. Oh god, I hate but that. That was song. like a big thing for some folks. But oh, yeah. what else happened there at Ranchman's? I don't, man. I don't know. I think we just better, like you said, pour one out for the Ranchman's. <laughs> thanks for thanks, thanks for, for 48, the well, and they 48 like, years of good times. Yeah, and they've given back a lot to like yeah, with the, the with sport the, and yeah, everything. Like they've absolutely. helped out with the Ty Pazabon Foundation. Big like, supporters. Been some really cool stuff. Big supporters. Thanks yeah. for thanks for being there for the Cowboys Ranchman's. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, again, this is episode number 74 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wasey. We uh, will be back with our guest for this week's show right after this. Thanks again for listening.
We didn't pick it. He picked it. But he's a 15-year veteran of photography, a majority of which has focused on shooting professional rodeo through the Western United States, along with other major professional sports. A massive following online that, that sees rodeo, we know through the images he shares daily. The co-host of the Big Lens Fast Shutter podcast, opinionated and outspoken, talented and accomplished, it has been said that he's the world's finest rodeo photographer. He joins us today from his home in the Bay Area of San Francisco. It's Matt Cohen. Matt, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, guys. Our, that's got to be the hardest intro song for a photographer of all time. That's some, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> shit. Can't help it. Man, and I like that you were right on it. We asked you like just before we started, and you're like, yeah, DMX, get it on the floor. And I was like, yeah, that song probably slaps. DMX. I, I thought DMX. about it a while ago. I don't know how long ago it was, but MLB started letting players pick their own music when they went from the on-deck circle to, to hit. Yeah. And uh, so I shoot a lot of baseball, and I just, you know, kind of mentally categorize the guys whose songs that I liked and the guys whose songs that I didn't like. And so I <laughs> always wanted to have my own music. And so, so that would be your yeah, walk-up song? Absolutely. 100%. Mine would be Magic Stick by 50 Cent. It's <laughs> <No. laughs> <laughs> not bad either. <laughs> okay, so I want to get into this right off the bat. You, were, uh, you said that uh, you'd shoot a lot of baseball, so... Who who do you shoot for in the baseball world? Where do you shoot? Uh, how'd you get into it? I, let's start with baseball first. Is that is that where you first started taking pictures, basically, or or where did it start? Uh, no. So, but the good news is for me, I don't like shooting baseball at all. And so, for years, if you're a professional sports photographer, certainly in the states summer there's uh you know basketball ends in june hockey ends in june and it's basically just baseball until football starts up again so and there's two teams here so there have been years where i shot over 100 baseball games between the giants and the a's and it just sucks and i just don't like it and so the looking at like somebody told me an old veteran photographer told me once that the secret to to shooting sports is getting you getting to the point where you're good with shooting baseball and i just i'm just so bored by it and i just thought i'm never going to be able to do this for 30 years or something so that's actually how i got into shooting rodeo was looking for other things that i could shoot in between when hockey ended and when football started again what what sucks about baseball is it is it the length it's, of the game or is it access or what sucks so much well, I like action. Um, you know, I'm not uh, – so I shoot I shoot a lot of hockey, and there's just constant action in hockey, and you can know, okay, this guy likes to go to this side or this team likes to carry in, this team likes to dump in. And in baseball, it's just a lot of standing around, and anything that happens – is going to be out of the ordinary because a, a great hitter hits 300. So he's going to not hit 70% of the time. So you're just, you're just sitting there waiting for something good to happen, waiting for a good expression on somebody's face or whatever. And basically if you're at a baseball game and th- that game ends one, nothing or something like that, the picture that runs in the paper the next day is going to be of the starting pitcher or the closer or something like that. And so you just shot a three, four-hour baseball game for one picture that's going to run in the paper. 
and it's not satisfying at all. You know, mm. it's just uh, a, a lot of waiting around and a lot of the baseball field is really big and you can't be on the field and you're shooting through a net for a lot of it. And it's just really not any of the kind of stuff that I like about shooting sports at all. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would do it. I would still be doing it if I hadn't found rodeo, but it's just not something I prefer to do. So I'm very happy that I found something else. Are you still working in hockey and kind of where was your first exposure with that? Yeah. I mean, I've shot the sharks for 10, 12 years, something like that. Um, I'd get about, I don't know, on the low side, maybe 20 out of the 40 something home games and on the high side, almost all of them. Um, and I really enjoy hockey. Like I grew up in Pittsburgh, so I'm a Penguins fan from way back. So I just, I've grown up around hockey and shooting it and watching it on TV. And so that's basically right now, like the bulk of my work is hockey during the winter and rodeo during the spring and summer. Are you working like for the Sharks or are you like freelancing with them? It's, uh, I work for a wire service. So there's limited positions in a, in a hockey arena, like five or six or something like that. So the, not every magazine or newspaper or whatever, even in the Bay Area could send somebody to shoot it. So my pictures end up, I shoot for a wire. So they just, I upload them in between periods and they go to, newspapers and websites and whatever all over the place so um the 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 good part about when i shoot other things i don't need to be involved in any of the business kind of stuff at all it's just um i go and shoot upload the pictures and then other people deal with it from there so it's uh whereas if i when i go on the road for rodeo i I could be gone for two months at a time or something and i go to shoot a hockey game and it's an hour drive and a three-hour game and an hour drive home and i'm done so quite a big difference. Are you a big Sharks fan? Uh, the Sharks are my second place team. I'll, I'll just always be a Penguins fan. Um, but, you know, as far as the Western Conference, I, I do like the Sharks. How do you feel about the Pens getting bounced by the Canadians or in the ground robin? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm an unhappy Penguins fan <laughs> right now. I'm not, I'm not uh, I, you know, I don't know. I, I th- it's important to me that, people make decisions uh in ways that make sense and it just seems like the pens have been flailing around for the last couple of years like we'll try this guy out and then we'll trade him and try this guy out and then trade him and it's i don't know what do you think it, the solution is it, there uh i don't know you can't spend uh three million dollars on a seventh defenseman and you can't <laughs> uh keep bringing in players who are wings and expecting them to play center and so i don't know they they have they have a lot of work to do and i'm you know their gm is like 70 years old and i'm a little bit <laughs> a, uh, a little bit worried about his uh mental uh acuity these days so uh i hope he surprises me but i'm just i've been kind of cringing my way through the last couple of years because it just hasn't been that you know they have a lot of young kids and they don't like playing them and then they bring up these guys and oh we play a heavy game on defense or whatever and it's like yeah in the 80s maybe but you know that's not how it's done you know it doesn't anymore. help when you're like slow all the good teams all the good teams are fast and you can be as big as you want those those little guys you know they're just gonna skate around you and it makes it very difficult to root for. They keep bringing in like, oh, we're going to get Ryan Reeves and we're going to get Eric Goodbranson and we're going to get Jack Johnson. It's like, all right, they're everybody's just going to skate around them and it's going to suck. But what do you think about the current situation in the playoffs here when we're getting down to the, almost the Cup final? Yeah, I, um, 
So I, I want the Lightning to win just because I like it when the, the highest skilled team wins. I don't like the old, uh, you know, like New Jersey Devils clog up the middle kind of. I like when people can play. Like kind of how St. Louis was gonna, last year. If I'm yeah, if I'm gonna watch, I, I want uh, I want to see McDavid skating circles around people. Like I, I have a privilege, right? I get to sit there and shoot through the glass and watch people like this play. And when you watch McDavid play, he's playing at literally a whole different speed than every other person on the ice. And I don't want there to be anything that gets in the way. I want as many people to understand how cool that is. And it just seems like the league is like, no, 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 please, you play a trap and, you know, clog it all up and let people climb all over them. And ugh, yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that at all. Did you apply to go into the bubble? Or could, no, could you no, apply no. to? Um, no. So yeah, I have a, uh, I haven't been to Canada in almost 10 years and I, I don't really plan on going back anytime soon. I, I went to shoot the Calgary Stampede and I, uh, I was working for a Canadian company to shoot it and they, I guess, didn't do, I thought that they had taken care of it and they just didn't know or whatever. And so I had a, you know, an interrogation and they basically said, we know what you're doing, but, uh, we're not going to make you go back, but don't try this again or something. So I haven't, haven't tried to go up there at all. Um, I do know the, I know one of the Maple Leafs team photographers and one of the other ones in the bubble. So I get reports about, you know, what's going on up there. But yeah, there's only like a very, very small handful of guys, especially now that they're all in one city. Like I would be surprised if there are more than like three people shooting that game. You uh, you went to the University of Alabama as a as a kicker. What What's the story there? Yeah, I grew up playing soccer and... Uh, I guess I didn't really realize it at the time, but I I guess my dad just didn't really want to pay for college, and I wasn't <laughs> big enough to to get a soccer scholarship. And I I can still I mean still I can just murder a ball kicking it. So um, I uh, I forget exactly how I played soccer and football for a year, and then I just went to all football. And the team I was on won the state championship my sophomore year. So all of the college scouts who were there to see the seniors saw this like five foot tall, hundred pound kid, you know, just like crushing the ball. And so I just, I was on all these schools radar from when I was 15, yeah, 15 years old. And, uh, yeah, that was like, that was how I was going to go to college. And in the middle of all of that, I just realized that I'm not the kind of person that can be on a team with like, 150 football players you know like in high school it was fine because they were just my friends or whatever but when you go to a major division one school like that it's the players are not regular students you know they all have tutors and they all eat separately and they live in a in a separate dorm and it's all about football and um the I went to college to get wasted and I did not go (laughs) to like sit in meetings and uh eat uh, I forget. They were trying to make me like 4,000 calories a day or something like Holy that. It was shit. insane. They wanted me to gain like all this weight. We had a, the strength and conditioning coach was from, because our head coach was Gene Stallings, who had recently been with the Phoenix Cardinals. They were in, yeah, Phoenix Cardinals at the time. And he brought his strength and conditioning coach. So we had an NFL strength and conditioning coach 
and I was 16, 17, 17 years old, something like that. And I was like, I cannot eat this much. I cannot lift this much. Like, what are you people trying to, I'm a kicker. What are you doing to me? You know, but, uh, you know, you don't get to make the rules in that situation. So, uh, I messed up my back really badly doing squats and ended up just like a regular student at Alabama, like, you know, getting medically redshirted and not being with the team and just having to do rehab and whatever. And it was like, not, not good. So I left there and went to Penn state and played soccer after that. Um, so going back to rodeo, where'd you get your first exposure in that? Uh, the grand national rodeo happens at the cow palace. Uh, it's just South of San Francisco. And I guess like, uh, a long time ago, it used to be huge because I've seen pictures. It's a big old barn. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had it was where the sharks played before their arena was built, so it can hold a lot of people. And I've seen old pictures where this thing was full of cigarette smoke and one hundred percent full of people, right? Dang. And in old school, like real huge cowboy hats, like just crazy times, right? Think about a rodeo in San Francisco. It's bound to be pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like one of the premier final events of the year for a really long time. The Cow yeah. Palace. And like Alan Jordan was like, what, 90, 97 on Oscar there one time, I think. Or Isn't like, that where that uh, tornado bull or whatever got rode to? Might have been. There's like an iconic photo of, I think it's Freckles Brown on him or something at the Cow Palace could be. Like it's a pretty iconic yeah. rodeo in the country. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you can see why, like the building is, uh, it's really crazy looking and like unique. And, um, so I was out, you know, just doing the most California thing you can do, which is riding a mountain bike around San Francisco Bay. And I stopped to get a juice and at the juice place was a poster for the Grand National Rodeo. And this was, uh, pretty early on in my career. And it was at the point where, I don't know. Like these days I can pretty much shoot whatever I want. I can, you know, just like two or three emails and, oh yeah, no problem or whatever. But back then it was incredibly difficult for me to shoot anything. So I was shooting roller derby (laughs) and high school sports and, uh, man, press conference, like anything, anything, anybody would hire me to shoot, I would shoot. And so I saw this this sign and it said the thing that got me the most interested about it was that it was eight days long and i thought well this is cool because it was really only a few miles away from where i lived and even if i was really bad the first night i was pretty confident that i could get good by the eighth night and so yeah i just uh the website that i've been shooting for at that time i got them to assign me to it and they were like we're not going to cover this thing for eight days like we'll we'll write it up and we'll run your pictures um but but that's it and i said well what if i just went back on my own time could i shoot the rest of it are you you know if you have the credential and they don't care then we don't care so i went back all the other nights to shoot it and i wouldn't say i was good by the end of it but i had figured it out by you know by the end of it and uh but then it was like four whole years after that before i could regularly get into uh, more than one or two rodeos. So I think between 2007 and the beginning of 2011, I think I shot maybe six rodeo related things total. So, and that was not from a lack of trying. What was your initial reaction the first night of the cow palace? Like, were you just like captivated by rodeo at that point? Yeah. Yeah. It it was like, I was completely blown away. Like I, 
I, I knew so little about, like, I understood what the word rodeo meant. Like, I, it, it wasn't like unknown to me, but I didn't know what the events were. And I didn't know that there were different, that different people did different things. I just had no idea. I didn't know that there was, uh, when they started doing saddle bronc, I was like, why are they doing this again? You know, cause I thought it was the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it was only like, well, after I started looking at the pictures and noticing, uh, some of these people aren't using a saddle, right? Um, so yeah, I was completely blown away. And back at that time, and this was like, this spoiled me forever. But when I first started shooting the Grand National, Bob Tallman was the announcer there. And so that was rodeo for, for four years, mm-hmm. right? Every ro- almost every rodeo that I went to, he was the announcer to. And so I was completely blown away by like the stories that he was telling and how he was explaining the action. And then just watching how much chaos there was and then trying to figure out like how they got the bull out of the arena and the, you know, cause I didn't understand that this was all a choreographed kind of thing that everybody knew their job and could do it. I just, it, it all looked like chaos to me. And I was like, wow, I can't believe this ended in two hours. You know, it seemed like they would spend two hours trying to get some of these animals out of there. So it was, yeah, it was really crazy. And I remember, I think I bought about, two thousand dollars worth of gear in between the second night and the third night because it's super dark in the cow palace and once i figured out the timing of it and like where to be and how to shoot and everything i realized oh i'm gonna need some better gear than this so i bought a couple of lenses and really went all in on that because it was something that i it was like i was shooting a lot of baseball at that point a lot of high school sports not a whole lot of action in any of these things and so being able to shoot something like that and getting eight perfs in eight days or seven perfs in eight days or something was great experience like all at once like just figure all this out as quickly as you possibly can and i thought oh yeah this would be great after this week i'll be able to go to bigger rodeos and try to find some better light or whatever and it was like literally four more years until i was able to go places so where was that where was that next one and then and what was that what was that next event like the the next one uh, was was Red Bluff, and it was in the middle there. Red Bluff was one of the first rodeos that started letting me in. They had kind of a uh, a local kind of um, her name's Tanya. She's like a real estate agent, and she was the media contact there at the time. And she had like a really expansive view of uh, who to let in. Like she didn't want to just have the local paper and, you know, regular rodeo people. And so she let a bunch of other people in who wouldn't have normally been there otherwise. And I remember it, it was really crazy because they were like, okay, well you can't go out in the arena. So they set up this platform and the platform, I was like, I'm not shooting from here. This isn't going to do me any good at all. So I was behind the shoots and they were looking over my shoulder as I was looking through the pictures that I was getting. And they were calling other people over to look over my shoulder also, like thinking I wasn't going to notice all this stuff was going on. And I said, I'll, you know, I'll show you guys after. Don't worry about it. I remember it was like a, a week after and I sent my pictures up there. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Use them for whatever you want. And it was then that it was like, oh, yeah, so you're you're coming back next year. And so that was the first time that I knew, OK, I, I'm going to have a whole year to plan for this. And so. Um, I learned as much about rodeo as I could. And I think the only thing that I shot in between the Red Bluff and the next Red Bluff was the Grand National. So it was like, I I was still only getting like one or two chances a year, but through shooting Red Bluff, I definitely met more people and got my name out there a lot more. And that's what kind of, um, you know, put me on people's radars, I guess. That Red Bluff is a, is a groundy rodeo, but you would have met the Rossers in San Fran. 
correct? It's actually a it's actually a Rosser. Oh, it is I mean, too. Yeah, yeah, Rosser. I mean, they they both bring stock there, but it, it's a Rosser rodeo. But yeah, okay. I did meet John Growney there um, for the first time, and that was a uh, pretty hilarious conversation. I'm sitting there in a you know in a baseball cap, shooting from the stands during slack and john rides his horse over and you know gives you that look <laughs> what do you, you know are, are you lost or something and we ended up having a really good conversation about media and how the um you know just how social media was uh, in its infancy then and people didn't really understand and i was trying to explain to him how many how many more people you could reach than just putting an ad in a paper or something like that and it was i look back at that going wow I, like i didn't even know what i was talking about back then you know it was just such a different time when uh you know things weren't so connected and people didn't really know like back then i was i was posting pictures just like i'm posting now but all of my fans were from like Red Bluff and uh, Northern California, you know, nobody outside of any of that knew just because social media wasn't as interconnected, I think, as it is now. And now it's people, some people don't even know where I live and they live in Texas and they've been seeing my pictures for years and they just assume that I live in Oklahoma or something like that. But um, there's just, there's so much more opportunity for distribution now that there wasn't then. And I think that, um, I don't know, I think that the more, rodeo can take advantage of that to get it out there to to other people i mean you know people uh i think too many people have a have this thought in their head that there are no there's no you can't make a new rodeo fan the only new rodeo fans come from you know baby cowboys or something and i just i I hold myself up as there's no bigger rodeo fan in the world than me right um i didn't come from this i didn't even know uh I had never been inside a rodeo until I was uh, 30, 32 years old or something like that. So, um, you know, I, I think that we should be we should be doing more getting it out there. Yeah, this is exactly the route I wanted to go on. And there's so many ways we can go from here. But you have almost 100,000 people just on Instagram. Uh, I, I could look up your Facebook page here right now. I didn't, don't have it in front of me exactly, but like, you have a bigger following than some of the associations and, and most of the, the top athletes. In most the of the top athletes, you know, like, w- w- is that mostly from rodeo photos? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, it's actually an interesting question. Um, and, and the the good news is that I have a really good answer for this one. Um, so, like I said, I, I shoot hockey half the time, right? I love hockey. I'm incredibly proud of my hockey pictures because hockey is way, way, way harder to shoot than rodeo. Like it's not even close how much harder hockey is to shoot. Um, so, you know, I go and I shoot a hockey game. I get to shoot some of the best athletes in the whole world, uh, you know, an hour or whatever away from my house. And I make these pictures and I come home and I'll put up 10 pictures from a Sharks Oilers game or whatever. And there's a couple of McDavid and, you know, Clefbaum and whoever else. And uh, like I get... I don't know, a 10th of the number of likes at a normal picture and I get 200 people unfollowing me. <laughs> so really? if you, you know, the, the answer to are a hundred thousand people following me for rodeo. Yes, they, <laughs> they absolutely are. That's wild. So, so I think one comment I have to make about the photos in the different sports is with hockey, there's only so many variations of what can happen. Same thing with baseball where with rodeo, it's so much more unpredictable and there's so many more athletic movements that can happen between the animal and the, the, 
athletes, it, it creates a lot more variation in your photos too, doesn't it? Uh, so to, to a certain extent, I, I would agree. I, I don't want to, you know, be, I don't want to like pick nits about it, but I guess what I would say to that is, uh, look at better hockey pictures. <laughs> Yeah, because there, you know, there, there are people like I, you know, this is something that, uh, I don't know. I, I get, I look at this and I don't know why I'm not mad about this. Um, but I'm not, and I'm, I'm really, I, I'm, I, I couldn't be happier about it, but so you guys mentioned my podcast at the beginning of this, I've been doing it for, I think nine years, something like that. And I do it with a guy who shoots soccer in, in Europe. And we have a, a student who started with us who was, you know, sub replacement level, right? Like you could pretty much find any pro photographer, send them out there, and that person would get better pictures than this guy. And he stuck with us for, I don't know, two years, three years, something like that. And now he is the number two at the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, wow. So. Um, you know, that I, I take that as it's annoying to me because, you know, this dude has been doing it for a third of as long as I have and has a significantly better gig than I do. Um, but, uh, it, so when you're a team photographer and you get to follow these guys around and you get to go from the locker room through, uh, you know, the, the ramp that they go to get to the, you know, past the trophy, cl- trophy case and past the, the blue painted walls with the Maple Leafs logo on it and the, you know, whatever else you have all these opportunities to get really cool pictures and that's in, in anything. Right. So I wouldn't say like, it depends on what you're trying to do. If you're just trying to go out there and cover a rodeo and cover a hockey game, you can do either one of them, you know, like as well or not. But if you're trying to get like, um, pictures that are like, I, I judge things, I judge pictures based on whether they're going to stop somebody from scrolling or not. Right. And to get somebody to stop scrolling on a rodeo picture is just, you, I don't know, take my word on it. It's way, way easier. Not, and not just in my following. It's just there's more, uh, there's more variations in lighting and background. And like you were saying, um, the interactions between the, the rider and the athlete. So it's easier to make uh, top level kind of pictures in rodeo than it is in hockey. But if you're talking about like, what is the ceiling for a rodeo picture versus what is the ceiling for a hockey picture? I would argue that they're exactly the same. Okay. Um, I want to go on to, I want to, I want to go on to the, the controversy side of things a little bit. I've got to get into that, but let's talk more about the, maybe the, your path into the rodeo side of things and how you were, uh, you were, they were very curious when you were in Red Bluff, maybe, but you had a great conversation with John Grownie, who's one of the nicest guys and like kind of a visionary in our sport. I want to say with between what he yeah. did with Lane and and Red Rock back then in, in Red Bluff in the late '80s, but but there's so well, let's you know let's let's recognize John Grownie's ability to have a conversation about media with Matt Cohen in 2010. Yeah, before you know, it was I don't want to take away from. I don't want to take away from Lane Frost's accomplishments or anything like that, but I would say that uh, that's on par as far as John Grownie's accomplishments go. Oh, yeah. You know, having having that conversation with me, like not knowing, you know, what I do or whatever and being able to, to sit in there and listen to what I've said and like be able to evaluate it and say, um, oh, yeah, well, here's why they don't do this or here's why they do this or something like that. And really... John and, and Cotton and Reno are some of the, the very, very few people who do actually stop and say, this is why we do something like this instead of, no, what are, what are you talking about? 
you know, and, and sometimes there's a good reason why they do things that way. And sometimes they are operating under a misconception of something. And through that kind of communication, you can get to better results. But, um, you know, if you, if you're not having that conversation, if you're John Ground and you ride around the arena and you see somebody, uh, shooting rodeo with a big lens and wearing a, uh, baseball cap backwards or something like that, how many stock contractors are rolling their eyes and continuing to ride along, right? Instead of stopping and saying, what brings you to Red Bluff? You don't look like you're from here, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think that there's, and I think that goes back to what we were talking about, expanding rodeo versus just speaking to people who happen to be born into cowboy families. And I think that, um, I don't know, I, I prefer John's way of doing it than a lot of other people's. Well, and, and John and, and the Rossers are some of the only people, only people anywhere besides, uh, there, there's no, there's not very many. I, they're, the Smith, Harper, and Morgan, that crew, um, I remember Rory Lemel t- telling me about them producing rodeos, but they're some of the only folks that actually produce their own events from from the ticket sales to the stock to the to the announcers' music. Every, like they're some of the only folks that actually produce rodeos for a living in 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 the world, and they they actually have a plan. Yeah, like, I, like yeah. the PRCA doesn't I, produce it, any rodeos. They don't know what the fuck right. they're doing. Like, right. Pardon it, my it's, French. It's but. funny. It's funny that you mention that because um, there should be. Uh, there should be a bigger distinction made between stock contractor and producer. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but that's, you know, I don't know what weight that should carry or whatever. That's not really my area, but I think if you're talking about, uh, what do people actually do? The people who produce rodeos do other things than the people who just haul stock. So I think there should be, I don't know, a little bit more of a distinction there, I guess. Um, I, and my, my point was that, that the PRCA is only, only at the sanctioning body that they, they're, they're getting a little more involved on some things this year, maybe to keep them things going, but they don't produce rodeos. The people that produce the rodeos are either a committee that do, do, do it once a year. And there's no, no offense to that, but the people that actually produce the most rodeos in a year are the folks like the rosters that don't just show up as a contractor. That's kind of my point yeah. where it's, there's a big disconnect. Yeah. So, so look at it, look at it this way, right? Um, my and I've, I've been this isn't new i've said this on other podcasts i'm not going to take a whole lot of time saying it here but uh the structure of the prca is counterproductive to what's good for rodeo and people can call me controversial whatever for saying that uh, you know that to me that's as plain as day right when you have let's look at the nfl or the mlb or whatever and you have the owners and the players you don't have the GMs and the coaches also at the table. You don't have the arena owners at the table. And you even don't have the networks at the table, right? The You need a CBA to have a season and the owners and the players hammer all that out. And then the owners say to their GMs and coaches, here are the rules. You guys are doing this. And then they go to the leagues and they say, we have labor peace and here's what we think these are worth and here's you know what we'll let you run them for right those are two nego- they're two discrete negotiations right owners and players and then owners and tv networks but every time in rodeo you have the stock guys going up against the committee guys going up against the cowboys and since there's no structure to kind of say okay we're going to take one for the team on this topic, but then you're going to have to give us a concession on this topic. 
And so what ends up happening is you have different guys in charge and then they cycle through the board and there's no permanence. There's no structure as far as, okay, the, the Cowboys are going to have to deal with a tier system and the stock contractors are going to have to, um, you know, whatever, uh, take less money for outs at smaller rodeos or, you know, whatever. I don't even, I'm just, I just made that up. That's not even a thing. But my point is um, there's this, this three-sided negotiation that somebody is always losing. And most of the time it's the Cowboys because the committees and the stock guys are more permanent and the Cowboys are just going to cycle through and all of that. But um, the way things are done and the way the rules are set up is certainly not to further rodeo. It's just to keep the people who are in charge and who have rodeos and whatever. It's just to further that. It's not. It, there's nothing whatsoever that's set up in rodeo to um, to expand the the field that we're playing on at all. How, how do you think we we keep expanding it? How do we make this? What's the solution? I I don't know. You know, honestly, as far as like the structure of the PRC, I have no idea. I don't know. Uh, I, I can identify the problem, right? The problem is three-sided negotiations don't work out unless you have some kind of permanence and a structure and a way to keep track of who's uh, profiting off of any decision or losing off of any decision or something. Um, as far as expanding the playing field, I, I think it's I think you need to be all in. I, I think that the idea that we're we I, I don't include myself in this, but we as a industry are do things uh, because of animal rights issues or protesters or something like that, I th- I think is, uh, it's beyond my understanding, really. I think that the, the two positions that are tenable are, uh, screw you, we're going to do what we want, and uh, we're not going to have rodeo, right? I, I don't, the middle path is we're, we're going to grow slowly enough that people who don't like us won't notice us. That that really, I, you know, I don't know, that that does seem like it fits with what we're seeing, right? We, we want to do uh, our own streaming and we want to have, you know, I know that there there's always been this um, tension between, oh, we want the final somewhere that a lot of people can see it, but then we have to pay for the production costs and then we move it to wherever it is now and the other people pay production costs and the PRC and makes money or whatever. Yeah, that's that's a choice. Okay, but... What that sounds to me is that we're we're gonna run rodeo off. You know, we're gonna as people start getting older, there are gonna be just fewer rodeo fans, and we're gonna let the kids of rodeo fans become BMX fans or hockey fans or soccer fans or whatever. And we're not really gonna make rodeo more accessible for them. And we're not, you know, th- this thing about um, the the social media with the the video or or whatever and we're like we're charging for streaming so people can't stream slack that isn't streamed for longer than a minute per rodeo or something like that like okay like these are rules but i I don't know what they're getting us like yes i understand that you can charge more for the media rights if you don't have everybody with their phone streaming every rodeo but are we as a sport, as an industry at the point where we can be telling people, no, don't give us free publicity on social media? I, to me, that sounds insane. Yeah, totally agree. <laughs> totally agree. There's no other sport that does that. And I don't know what they're trying to protect. 
Well, well, there that. are there there are you yeah. you can't you can't do it um, you know, you, you can't you, you yeah you can't like in a in a major pro but but we're not that right no um, not even close we're not uh, we're not we're not pro football and and I think that people should start acting like that like you can have announcers that fall asleep on their horse during perfs you can have <laughs> photographers who uh, you know who are making so little money that they can't afford to keep their gear calibrated. And you can have, uh, you know, uh, rodeos where the the wooden chutes are, you know, falling off the hinges or something. You can do all of that kind of stuff, um, you know. But but that's not like if you want to have growth, if you want to do things better, you you have to move away from all of the stuff that's not working. And you know, if it was working, and if rodeo was a major sport or something, then you could say. Uh, okay, we don't need your input. We're doing just fine. But what I'm saying is we need to have uh, better media relations. We need to have better social media, um, not just like the policies, but we need to be, as an industry, everybody needs to be using social media better. Like, it, okay, you're going to share another meme, I guess, but, you know, how is that helping your brand? How is that helping the PRCA? How is that helping anything, Right. So these things are the kind of things where I would expect people who are in an industry where, I don't know, I, you know, for me, I'm worried, I'm way more worried about finding out that one of my rodeos that got canceled this year isn't ever going to come back, right? I'm way more worried about something like that than I am hopeful that there's going to be a new rodeo somewhere, right? So, you know, there used to be rodeos. There's a, a flat, uh, there's a, a map of California in Cotton's office. It's big. It's like three, four feet tall or something like that. And there's a push pin in every city in, uh, in the, it's not just California, I guess. It's like the whole West Coast. And it's everywhere that they've ever since, you know, the 50s or 40s or whatever taken stock. And, you know, there's, there was like a rodeo in San Jose and there was a rodeo in like downtown Los Angeles or whatever. And those rodeos went away and never came back. And so am I more, you know, do I think that the future is brighter for rodeo or do I, do I expect rodeos just not to come back after this year? And yeah, I'm, I'm more pessimistic than I am optimistic. And I don't know what the other side to that argument is. And then if, if we're not going to argue about the future being pessimistic, then to me, it's either you pack up and say, okay, well, this is, this is kicked or you say, yeah, let's let's really do everything we can, especially in social media, where um, not only is it cheaper than other things, but it's also faster, and you can learn more and try things and get people to engage way more than other things. And it's like a lab that's you know low cost or something like that, and we're not taking advantage of any of that. And it's you know year after year, I. I look at people cycling through and I look at the same people that I have the same conversations with and it's like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely an asshole. I, you know, that, that's the, you know, nobody's arguing that, but I'm also not wrong and you've been wrong for how long and, and we're still not changing what we're doing. And to me, that's like, okay, you're, you're just going to continue to be wrong out of spite. And I, you know, mm-hmm. this is, these are people's livelihoods. These are, you know, I've had friends who, bull rider friend who landed on his head and broke his neck done you know I, guys who lost fingers and um you know had to put horses down or whatever and i think that we're all um you know again we as a as an industry we're too casual with the risks and the costs and those kind of things 
and the idea that we're not maxing out the things that we can max out on is not it's not good do you think do you think the the pbr or the wcra are are doing uh i guess honestly just do you think they're doing a better job of controlling their product or do you think that's that model like a for-profit i'm not sure if the prc is for-profit or not but in canada it's not for profit and we have no events this year there's a shit show up here we have no reason to have a rodeo this year Do do you think that other model is is a is a uh is a better better way to do business well yeah, you're never going to get the PR. You're never going to get the PBR model with the PRCA. Um, I, I admire the WCRA for uh, you know doing other things or whatever, but I don't know. You know, I, I can't. I, I've read those. Uh, you know how to do that or whatever, and that that doesn't seem. Uh, you know, I don't. I can't follow it. So I'm not sure that that's really the model either. Um, I, I do, like I said, I, I don't really have a good a good understanding of this because I don't have access to uh, the, the, the kind of information that anybody would need to make decisions on this. But I think the problem is that the people that would have access to this don't know what they're doing. And <laughs> it makes it really, it makes it really difficult. I, I just, um, you know, I, I look at some of the decisions that, that get made and some of the ones that get kicked down the road or something like that. And uh, you know, like it just doesn't make any sense. Like none of this makes any sense to me. And, um, the, the I, I think that, um, and you know, I've done it to myself. I think, um, people don't like the people who have been on the receiving end of my opinions, uh, feel that they don't need to engage anymore or something like that because, oh, well, the damage is done or something, but you know, it's, it's still years later and we're still swimming around in the same circle. And, uh, I would just like to see, you know, like maybe it's just something radical, like, um, just instead of having like a set number of people on the board from X, Y, and Z or whatever you're, we're voting from, you know, from everybody and we're having people that actually know something about something doing it. Like my question is, I don't, I'm not going to try to get into what the contestants need or want. I don't even understand how added money works. Right. So why would I get into something like that? What I'm talking about is social media. There are people definitely in the world who know more about social media than I do, but there's not anybody in rodeo that knows more than social media than I do. And let's say that, okay, uh, maybe I'm overestimating my own knowledge. And let's say that I'm not number one as far as knowledge and experience in social media, even though show me, uh, you know, you, you were talking about the people that have more followers than I do. You know what those people have in common? Those guys are the ones that get their names called out on television, right? That's how you get more followers. I don't have that, right? Bob Tallman shouts me out once in a while, but <laughs> that's really about it as far as that goes. I built 100,000 followers based on my pictures and my knowledge of what people respond to. So if we're going to have conversations about what to do with social media and we're going to, as an association, hire people to run our social media that social media uh, should be improving over time. It should be, uh, I'm not just talking about like adding clicks or followers or something like that, but I'm talking about driving business and getting people interested and bringing people in and, you know, distributing high quality clips in a presentable way or something like that. And when I see years go by while that's not happening, while they're not doing it right, and I say, okay, well, who, who's going to make this decision? Who, somebody, uh, I don't know if they've got fired or left earlier this year, 
And it was, you know, not public or whatever, but it was like, oh, yeah, we're looking for a new social media person. Uh, okay, who's doing those interviews? Who's talking to, who's setting the strategy that decides what the candidate pool is even going to look like, right? Are we looking for somebody who is a marketer, who knows a little bit about social media? Are we looking at hiring uh, a TikTok tween to make memes all day or whatever? Like, that's fine. But we should be, as an association, there should be like a discussion about what we need and, and what we can do with the resources that we have. And when I look at the board and when I look at the leadership or whatever, I see exactly zero people who know anything whatsoever about social media. Mm-hmm. Prove me wrong. You know, pull up the page, right? It's everybody who's on the board and everybody who's in the leadership is on there. And not one of those people knows anything at all about social media, period. Are they, and they're the ones that are hiring people and then they're the ones that are supervising people. And then, you know, th- somebody texted me the other day that there's like uh, the same video of a bull rider posted twice and one of them was like centered and one of them <laughs> wasn't centered and they were posted back to back. And this is the association, right? Mm-hmm. This is the rodeo association and they can't hire somebody who can run uh, a phone to record the video and then they can't hire somebody who can tell the difference between what they're posting and what they're not posting or like this isn't good and so people can get mad at me i'm gonna hear about it right like not me personally my friends the rossers are gonna hear about it right because that's what people do they don't want to talk to me because then they have to confront yeah. this yeah. they call my friends and they say why don't you get him What's under control doing? yeah mm-hmm. yeah exactly do you think, so you think part- what I'm saying is anybody who's listening to this can pull up the PRCA leadership page and anybody, anybody can go on there and pull up the board of directors page and you tell me who's on there who knows anything about social media to set a strategy, to, well, to get a pool of applicants, to hire further, and, then, and to make a hire and then to supervise someone after. Further, it's further to that. impossible. Yeah, further to that, the, the, the cowboys aren't business people. It's not like you're not looking at the board of a Fortune 500 company. You're looking at a bunch of cowboys on a board that probably drink beer in the meeting right like they're not right you have like maybe right. two but, business but so people but so they're the but they're cowboys. but they're in the meeting right yeah. you're not in the meeting and i'm not in the meeting they're in the meeting why yeah. aren't any of them saying these are the same people that mocked social media right up until the time where people started being able to make money on it yeah. right i make more money from social media than i do from photography right now in rodeo hmm. right that's a fact of life and so these people are going to sit there and, and it's fine. You know, I don't expect the, you know, the steer wrestling director or something like that to know anything about social media. Just like we don't have, there's not a test when you get your photographer's card to know, you know, like how far out the barrier is supposed to be or whatever, you know, like let the people in the association who know anything at all about this do it instead of having people who are the ones that are mocking social media and not learning and not doing anything productive and making these decisions that make us look bad as a whole. It's just, um, you know, I don't know what we're doing. I know last year was when I first noticed what they were doing with their social media. And it was, they did like that countdown thing every day. And so they had like a different back number for, from 99 That's all the, the way NFR. down to one. <laughs> That's like the only fucking thing they're doing for the NFR. 99 like all the way down to one. And I'm with a bunch at of shitty pictures. And, Un- it's unbelievable to me, and and that's like this. That's been the strategy for I don't even know ten years. How long since social media? But yeah, began. but I mean, but this is like this is like what their this is the extent of their ideas are, and 
uh, you know, but, but no, we're not going to listen to people who have proven success. I had 6 million impressions on my pictures in August. I had 1.2 million individual people looking at my pictures in August. You think I don't know what I'm doing here? I, I know what I'm doing, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think part of the solution would be like employing somebody who knows like both sides of the coin, like knows the sport in and out, but then it can also handle the social media end of it? I, I think that's, that's I, a big I think, problem I think me. the I think the both sides of it has has been a disaster for the PRCA. I think that you um, you don't need one person to be able to translate. You know, like um, we, we were talking about this before. My wife does something with software. She's like a, uh, a like a software engineer or something like that. I have no idea what she does. Right? She has to go between the company that she works for as clients and the engineering team. And her job is to listen in plain English to what her clients are telling her and translate into code to the engineers what they need to be doing, right? They, there's not one person who they hire as an engineer who talks to the clients and who writes the code. That's not a, that's not a common skill set. And if you're filtering for somebody who knows rodeo and somebody who knows social media, uh, you're drawing into a very, very shallow pool, Right. Um, and, and, and who, who are we talking about me? And, you know, there, there are other, I'm not saying I'm the only person, but I am in it and they're not listening to me. And so who are they, who else are they going to listen to? Right. They don't even, so they don't even want to work with you they, hardly. Right. Like you're, a, no. you're an outlaw. Like you don't even like, do yeah. you even have a card? Or are you working for the committee? I do. Now? No, no, you no. Do. I have a, I have a card, but it, yeah, they, the card has to fight to do for with working, yeah. working with them. Um, the yeah, I mean they they need a marketer, right? They need somebody who understands marketing, and then they need to translate what the PRCA needs with the channels that we need to be going through. And those channels aren't print anymore, and they're probably not thirty second ads during streaming of rodeos. I'm sorry to say, that's not. I don't really see that. Being not to the, their own the contestants, answer. like the like who else yeah. is watching the cowboy right. channel? Like I'm sorry, to, but. Like bust their balls, but like it, you're you went from ESPN back in the day to CBS Sports, and now you're on the Cowboy Channel. Like, like I know I'm crapping on the Cowboy Channel a little bit here, but like, like seriously, yeah. it's a much smaller pool than being on every in in every having a chance to be in every sports bar in the country, and now you're on the Cowboy Channel, well, which the, is in you know I don't know how many yeah. homes, but it's it's de- right. Not the well, same to, to be to be fair, it was there. There is like a credible strategy there, right? Like we saw it, and and I was believe me, one of the people that was making fun of them for getting pushed back because of basketball games or something like that. That's what happens when you're on ESPN or CBS is that you're always going to be second to those other sports. So there is a case to be made for what they did. I, I think that we probably won't see you know, whether that works for a little while, and I don't think it will work, but it's not like I, I want to draw a line between how they are dealing with social media and how they're dealing with streaming because i think that neither one of them are good but i think that the streaming side of it is let's say defensible whereas the social media side of it is just indefensible well and and on the streaming side of it if you're going on the for the finals or whatever you're going for there's a bit of owning the content there and and your production costs and your payment like you're with the espn you're paying to be on espn or you're paying to be on cbs where with the Cowboy Channel yeah. now, they're paying you. It's probably a yeah. it's probably a two million dollars swing or more over just the NFR alone. So it's it is a yeah, it which, is a considerable you know, which, cost. Yeah, which you know, which is which is why it's defensible, right? So yeah. we just have to see 
it comes out to, I guess, you know, how well have they promoted it? How many people have they signed up? I don't know. I don't think those numbers are going to be made. Nobody's ever going to tell us. You know. I was like, do you think like like centering around the Cowboy Network does that restrict rodeo from potentially growing outside of that inner circle like we were talking before? Because like. I, I you have to like go out of your know. way to get the Cowboy Channel on your cable package, whereas if you had CVS Sports, yeah. you could stumble upon a rodeo or something. I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I don't know, you know, and, and I'll say this a lot. I, I don't really want to get too far into the weeds on things that I'm not an expert in, so I, I just don't know. To me, I'm sure that in the 30 years before I stumbled into a rodeo, I flipped by it on TV or something maybe I just wasn't noticing or maybe I wasn't paying attention or maybe um, the way rodeo is shot on TV didn't appeal to me. Um, Believe me, the production values on other sports are higher than they are in rodeo, Mm -hmm. right? Even, even whatever they're going to do for the NFR. I I think it's safe to say that uh, they're spending way more money on production values in other sports. And so my point is that, if rodeo isn't going to be visually pleasing on TV, then maybe we need to get people hooked in ways that are more visually pleasing, like through pictures, right? Um, maybe it's getting stories written about them. You know, they, there are part of the, part of marketing is PR, right? And part of PR is getting stories about the people that you're responsible for in other venues, right? So I would like to see like, I remember a couple of years ago, there was that guy, uh, I forget what his name is, but he followed the the Wright family around and wrote a John book. John Branch. John Branch. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he, uh, and then what was the other thing that was, there was another, oh, Baskets. There was that, um, yeah, that rodeo with, clown show or something With Zach like Galifianakis. That. Yeah. yeah. And so I look at like pop culture things or something and I look at, um, and, and the movie, the PBR, the uh, Longest Ride, which I worked on and can't remember the name of um the these things are hooks right they're like when i'm thinking like i, I haven't shot right i shot uh seven days of rodeo or something like that this year most of what i've had to shoot is pictures from either pictures that i posted before or pictures that i'd forgotten never noticed or whatever and i'm just putting those up and so i'm I rarely just put up a picture and be like, oh yeah, here's this random picture or something like that. Because in news you have a peg or a hook, right? You need something to say, this is why we're writing about, this is why we're talking about, this is why we're debating this subject or whatever. And when you have a, you know, a show, a movie, um, you know, I know they're doing it a little bit with Yellowstone um, now, but you have to, like other sports, like when hockey is, depicted in something or whatever you better believe that the nhl social media accounts have something ready to go to capitalize on fans of whatever that is saying oh yeah i never watched an nhl game let me go to the nhl's instagram and see what that's all about and then when they get there they have content that's ready to go for um you know for those people like here if oh if you like uh this movie that was about hockey here are some players that or like that guy that was in that movie or something, right? These are all just basics, but that's the point of it is you have to take those pegs when you get a chance. If there's, if there's rodeo being talked about in the popular culture in in the conversation, then you have to be out there baiting those hooks and pulling people into rodeo and nobody in rodeo is thinking at that level at all. And so we just watch opportunities like that just 
go away just you know every single time they come up and maybe maybe this yellowstone thing maybe um that's a popular enough show or something that they'll they'll find something there but um you know i don't know i i don't know do you think if like taking an approach similar to like house of highlights um would help get better exposure into like pop culture or like the mainstream for rodeo I think it's, you know, I think that the best thing about rodeo is how American, no, you know, no offense to you guys. Um, you know, it's just like if, if you, if you showed, uh, a picture of a, of a rodeo guy getting ready to throw a rope or something like that, and you showed it to any given set of people who came off the street, the word American is definitely going to come out of their mouths, right? Like there's, there's no question about it. Like maybe, maybe not first, maybe they'll say cowboy first, maybe they'll say rope or something or cow or horse or something like that, but they're going to get to American pretty quickly, right? Certainly before they run out of breath. And, uh, so to me, I think that I'm sure there's research for this somewhere, but if you ask people even today, how many people want to grow up and be a cowboy versus how many people want to grow up and be like a professional baseball player or something. I'm, I'm guessing that there's still way more people that when they're like four years old or something like that, say they want to be a cowboy, even like city people or whatever. Like I'm sure that I went through a cowboy phase, right? I remember I had like a cap you're, you're six in it gun now. or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, my point is that like, there's more to rodeo than, than rodeo, right? There's the West there, there are, you don't have to sell it straight up as, Oh, here's, uh, Trevor Brazil and he's won 20 world titles. And that doesn't mean anything to people who don't understand what a world title is in rodeo. Right. But if you say like, this guy's been at the top of his sport for 20 years and here's his family and here's how he trains his horses or whatever. And this is a lot of what we were trying to do at the cowboy journal was, get beyond just the the scores and the times like I, I you know i don't know about you guys but for me like one of my biggest pet peeves is when i go to a rodeo and the announcer is talking about one of the you know they'll be like oh yeah they were 90 points on this bull at denver or whatever and it's like i don't care yeah who gives a <laughs> shit no, one that's person a good point. cares that's a good point. right it's yeah. so true that's but a it's scary it's a it's a scary bull nobody in the crowd is you know, th- there's not like some bulls at the rodeo that people would be like, I'm going to get on that one. And then a whole set where people aren't right. You don't need to make a distinction between how good the bull is. Everybody in the stands knows that that bull means business, that he outweighs the cowboy by, you know, 2000 pounds or whatever. Um, I-, I don't need to hear about Houston. I don't need to hear about, you know, the 91 points. I don't need to hear about, um, you know, even like that cowboy scores from his last rodeo or like, was he the cowboy of the month or something like that? I want to hear, uh, you know, like, and, and to their credit, the magazine, the, the PSN has been doing a pretty decent job. Like I've read that one of the bareback guys has been driving an Uber and um, Eric Rogers has been driving a tow truck or whatever. Like I like those stories, right? And those are the kind of stories that can bring in people who don't understand rodeo action because it's like, oh yeah, this guy's a professional athlete and he's won hundreds of thousands of dollars doing this. He's been literally at the top of his whole industry, but uh, he doesn't have a contract like the NFL guys, and so he doesn't have a choice. And so he either rodeos or he drives a tow truck, yeah. right? And this is a great athlete. This is somebody who, um, you know, can do things with a rope that very, very few people can do. And uh, he's driving a tow truck right now. And so there are, you know, obviously not just negative stories like that, but there are positive ones too. I want to know more about these people. And that's how you get people interested in rodeo. I don't think flipping around the channel and ending up on ESPN and seeing – 
the uh, the bareback riding at the NFR with all of the fireworks smoke that they insist on lighting off in there every year. That's not visually pleasing. To, you know, like, I'm sorry that to bring aesthetics into this or whatever, but hey, guess what? I do for a living, right? Um, I want to see, like, good lighting. I want to see good camera angles. I want to see good slow motion. And, you know, if I'm seeing yellow lighting and blue fireworks smoke and I'm shooting camera lenses from you know, 200 yards away through all of that, it doesn't look good. And I'm not going to gamble a whole lot that that's going to be somebody's, uh, the hook that gets them into rodeo. So, um, I'm looking at other, you know, other ways to do that. And I think that social media is the way that you can both show people how cool this is and you can tell their stories. And, uh, you know, then I go back to, we're doing countdowns with back numbers for three months. It'd be, uh, it would, it would be neat to see your work at the NFR and in that venue, but the one of the times where you had a chance to be there, they wouldn't let you go anywhere. What 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 is the story there? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've had uh, adventurous times at the NFR. I actually was able to shoot the NFR twice before I had my card, just on a media credential, and it was horseshit. Uh, you know, it, it was not <laughs> good. You know, <laughs> from the moat. They, let me guess, uh, you're in the moat and with seventeen well, other the first, photographers. The first, the first, the first night, uh, I went there because I didn't realize that. Um, That's what it was. There, you know, that there were other places, and I was like, I can't do this. I, I was sitting next to, you know, a really good friend. I was standing literally next to a committee guy, a friend of mine, right, and a guy who who can shoot. I'm not. I'm not trying to like make it out like he had no business being there or something like that but yeah you know there were there were only like 12 people there and one of the people there was a committee guy and to me that's like uh weird it doesn't really make any sense but it it goes to show you you know what rodeo is really all about so yeah so i, I the the two times that i went just on a media credential um, I didn't really have any problems per se. It just wasn't, I was shooting from the stands a lot, like with a long lens shooting down on top and, and you can and get that, some decent pictures. But like not even that, allowed but to do that great. really, right? Didn't they give you shit for that or try to kick you out? Well, right, right. Well, you know, my whole time in the PRCA has been marked by either starting to enforce rules that were never enforced or making up all new rules, you know, to deal with me. Like the Matt Cohen bylaw? So, <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the whole way that people get um, get their cards is because of me. Right. It used to just be you used to send in 25 pictures and a check and you uh, you got your card and then it became, oh, no, no, no. We have to have your competition write you letters as, you know, references or whatever. So that was makes great. a lot of sense. But anyway, so, yeah, I shot those two years on the media credential and, it you know, it was like whatever. I, I was happy to shoot it because I hadn't done it before or whatever, but it wasn't I wasn't getting the kind of pictures that I like. I wasn't getting the kind of pictures that my clients run in ads because the angles are bad in there and the lighting is bad in there. And it's just, you know, not it's great if you want to watch a rodeo. I don't think anybody really wants to team rope in there. And, you know, I wouldn't want to have bucking horses going out but that's you know also me not knowing anything about any of that but the point of it is i, I went back um <laughs> after a while after i had my card and i had written i you know big lens fast shutter is my podcast there's also a blog and what i'll do is write up uh here's my plan for this event that i'm going to shoot at whether it's a bike race or a hockey game or a, a rodeo that i've never been to before and so i wanted to take my students through what it took you know like i'm going to be in the same place for 10 days in a row i'm going to be shooting exactly the same guys 10 days in a row the only thing that's going to change is their the stock that they're up against and the the shirt color shirt that they're wearing or whatever 
So here's what I'm going to do. And so these nights I'm going to shoot straight up action. These nights I'm going to go for behind the scenes. These nights I'm going to shoot, um, you know, from the sunken, uh, you know, the, where the TV pit is. And, uh, so, you know, I did this a couple months before the NFR and one of the, you know, old hacks, uh, decided that with that information, he was going to tell a security guard that my credential wasn't good to shoot from the stands, even though that's not against the rules. And so what happened was the security guard took the credential away from me because she was going by what somebody else told her. And the Thomas and Mac policy is that once you have your credential taken away, there's nobody or no thing that can get it back for you. So um, that was in 2013. Uh, a couple of years ago, I thought I had a deal to go back and shoot it again for the PRCA. And then I get there and just had to go to this humiliating meeting with, uh, what's that idiot's name who ran the NFR? Do you Sean, mean Sean Davis? Uh, Sean Davis. I had to go to a meeting with this fucking idiot <laughs> and, uh, where he told me all of the things that I wasn't going to be able to do and all of the things that he had heard about me, um, online and that I wasn't going to get away with any of my shit. And I said, I'm here to shoot a rodeo, man. What are you talking about? I had a deal, you know, with the chief marketing officer, this has been set for months. And he was like, well, it wasn't set for me. So they gave me a list of where I could shoot from and it wasn't, uh, anything that I wanted to deal with. And so I didn't shoot it and, uh, I will probably never go back to the NFR. Even this year in Texas, or would you do, would you say hell no anyways, because it's re- kind of ridiculous oh, no, 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 that they're going. No. I, I have no, yeah, I have no desire, no desire to work with them. I don't You've been kind of painted with the brush as like the Sean Avery of rodeo. Honestly. Oh no. Sean that's, Avery now? Come on. Oh, no, wait, wait, no, wait. Here, here, here's my argument though. That's like, a low No no wait. That's a low blow. No, no, man. no, no, no. Wait. Low... Wait, 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 wait. No, wait. Here's here's my explanation behind that. Because like people like you do what you're doing and you have motive behind it and you have a you you know why you're doing it and you have like you're well educated on it, but people don't understand that pro your process and motive. How about how about but, how about PK Subban? No, Sean Avery, for sure. No, because like okay, wait, I like I hated Sean Avery so much, like like, I thought he was as scumbag a as a player, like scumbag. But then I read his book and I listened to a few of his interviews and he like goes through his process and his motives and it's all like calculated and it makes sense. And it, it kind of, it's outside the box, but, but people don't seem here's to understand a little secret. that. Here's, here's a little secret, right? And, and this might be hard to believe, right? But most people don't hate me. Right. <laughs> the people who hate me really hate me and they make it their life's work to, uh, to make me uh, pay for my prior transgressions. Um, I'm not hated, you know, like I wouldn't mm. have a hundred thousand followers if I was hated. Right. Most but people I, I who follow me, the wrong word. Like you're con- you've been controversial over the years for sure. I don't even, you know, I don't even know if it, honestly, I, I think outspoken. I think you guys said that at the yeah. beginning. Okay. Yeah. I think that that's okay. the most okay. because I don't even think, honestly, I think that the fact that I'm saying it might be controversial when you, uh, take the definition of rodeo to mean, uh, just smile and be friends with everybody, or yeah, whatever. But because I don't think nobody that's real anyway. You know? Nobody ever fucking has an opinion in this sport, and it's kind of horseshit. We can't even speak out against the PRCA, or you're mm-hmm. gonna get your or credential your removed, right? Yeah. Like, like I wrote, remember writing an yeah. ar- article about the Canadian Pro Rodeo and them changing their logo, and like I had to quit my co- like because I was working for them, so I understand that I can't mm-hmm. speak out about them then. But like I literally have a media site that I can't say anything on because I'm working for the companies. And working at the events, like yeah. I literally could get blackballed yeah. over it, which is which is yeah. kind of total horseshit. But nobody else 
inside is willing to say anything because it's, it would happen to them too. So I literally, get, I literally yeah. gave up a contract for like mm-hmm. a, at the time it was a decent amount of money to be able to speak out against them. And then I got totally blackballed and like cussed out the ass over trying to say something. But it just like, it's like it's taboo in our sport to have a fucking opinion that's not with the status quo. And that seems like what's happened to you. Um, yeah, I think to a certain extent, I, I, I'd like to, you know, like, I don't want people to think that, um, I'm here saying, no, 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 I've, I've been a good boy and I don't deserve how I've been treated or, you know, whatever. Like, you know, I give as good as I get, right? Like I'm not, uh, I'm not a child. Uh, I know that there are, I don't know, uh, consequences and powerful people who don't like me or whatever, but the, I, I think really, um, I would like to be, I would like rodeo to be a place where, um, you know, you, uh, you know, you go to a, go to a slack, right. And you watch the steer wrestlers and you watch, uh, maybe some of the calf ropers trading horses or whatever, but definitely the steer roper, the steer wrestlers are, uh, you know, they're cheering for each other. Right. And they're, they're yelling, uh, as soon as the, the gate opens or whatever, and they're high-fiving or whatever. I, I would rather rodeo was closer to that where, um, you know, we're all in this together and, and we're, we're going to do right or whatever. But what I see is a lot of people who are defending just a broken system because either they're scared of what comes after that or they're benefiting, um, you know, from that broken system, right? There are definitely sound guys and announcers I know who eat based on that broken system who would not be eating if it wasn't, Right. Um, and, and I think that, uh, we should be putting our best at our best events. I think we should be, um, using the, the tools that we have either, whether it's streaming or whether it's getting on ESPN once in a while or, um, social media or whatever it is, but there's room for improvement. And so what I do, uh, you know, I, I, people think, oh yeah, he just talks shit all the time, but really when you hear me talking shit, it's like probably anywhere from, I don't know, a year to four years of me doing shit behind the scenes, trying to get people to see the light and do something differently or, um, change their mind about something or whatever. And then, uh, you know, I, I was very quiet for quite a long time, even this year, right. Until one of my students got hazed at his first rodeo on his PRCA permit. Right. Um, I've been trying to get them. Yeah. The, the old hack who had been shooting that rodeo for years decided that he was going to be the only one that was going to be able to sign in. So he got the secretary to not let my student sign in, even though he was there with his permit in hand, it was, it was a whole thing. And so, because, um, you know, I've been trying to fix this broken system. I've been trying to make it easier for new people who are good photographers to come in and, give people competition who need it um, and, and give the magazine a better selection of pictures to use. Um, and, you know, so yes, did I uh, <laughs> blow my top and make a lot of people look bad after that? Fuck. Yes, I did. Right. But I've been trying to change the system for 15 years. And so when I bring the PRCA, somebody who's better than all, but maybe four or five of the photographers that they already have, and then that person gets hazed by a photographer who is less than and also by a secretary whose job it is to know what the rules are. I'm not going to be quiet 
you know, they're, they're probably going to suspend me. They're definitely going to find me for all of this whenever they get around to it. And I'll eat it, you know, but I'm not going to be quiet when stuff like that happens because that photographer isn't good enough to do something like that. And that secretary doesn't mean anything to anybody and shouldn't be getting in the way of things like that. And if you have a new photographer who can, you know, basically double the amount of rodeos that have good pictures from them, you you go with that, right? You don't let the old hat. You should be welcoming, like welcoming that, it. yeah, to help grow it instead of right. just keep the right. same exactly. circle that we right. always had in rodeo. Right, and and I'm not saying like the, the 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 old hack should be welcoming or something like that. Maybe maybe they're too far gone or something. He's everybody else be. should, you know. Yeah. Everybody else should. For the people at that rodeo, mm-hmm. to the people in the office, they should be saying, "We're sorry that this happened to you, and and we're thankful um, that you're taking time out of your." day job of being the vice president of a mortgage bank or something like that to mess around in the dirt shooting rodeo right and and we're gonna we're gonna let this stand and and i'm the only person that's gonna face any kind of punishment for anything in this situation is gonna be me which uh you know all right fine if that's the kind of association that they want to have then that's the one they're gonna have what do do you think of the card system in the in the all that business like it just seems like there any other are there any other sports that have a card system? Like, do you have to have an NFL card to shoot photos in the NFL? Like, the only other, only other, like, we're, are we the only sport that does this just to make it a club so we can keep everyone else? Is it was it made by the <laughs> photographers that are that have that have been in it long enough? Like, was it? It's yeah. not really for any fucking reason, is it? Really? Like, right, right, right. No. Like, it's just it's it, just it protecting. It's, the, it's not helping. Yeah, it's Anything. it's not helping anybody. No, yeah. like do it, um, but do any other sports have the same system? Like I'm curious about that. Um, I don't know. Not 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 like not like this. Like you can, if you shoot a lot of NASCAR, you can get what's called a NASCAR hard card. Um, so that is get still you a media into, pass. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, yeah. The the other so the NFL hires freelance photographers, but they're not like NFL players for the day or something. You know, no. they're just like. They're just dudes that the in the cities that the NFL plays those games in, and they get a call and they go out and and shoot the game or whatever. Um, no, no, nobody does it like like this. And there there are reasons, right? Like you can't have the PSN without member photographers, theoretically, right? It would be very complicated to coordinate with a whole bunch of freelance photographers to get pictures for a magazine and a website, you know, yeah. on a deadline. But that doesn't mean that. Uh, you know, old photographers should have a say about new photographers, right? It took me, yeah. Uh, I got my perm. I got my permit in 2013. So, mm-hmm. do the math, right? Uh, I started shooting rodeo in 2007. I started trying to get my card shortly after that, and they changed the rules twice Jesus. before I could get them. And it took me six years to get my card. And now, if you so- look at now, now they're just giving them out to you know to anybody or whatever. But there was like this this huge dam was held back because nobody wanted me. You know, certainly not in California. The, there's a lot of photographers here, and they didn't want anybody new, and they did, definitely didn't want me to have it. And then uh, once I got through, they were like, "Oh yeah, well, I guess we're gonna let everybody in now." And the problem is that they're still not really doing it based on who's good. They're just doing it based on who wants to shoot rodeo photography and the way i see it is that these people who are freelancers for nfl games could you know just be freelancers for rodeos right and mm-hmm. they're if you look at like pendleton roundup is my favorite example for all of this i've never seen a good picture from pendleton that wasn't taken <laughs> by a media person right 
um, the, the paper there or whatever, we'll send somebody and you'll see a good picture here or there. There are 25 something PRCA photographers that go to Pendleton every year. Ever seen a good picture from Pendleton? I don't, not the one that pops out. Yeah. Not head. like, like if it's a good picture, like you'd remember it. You yeah, I don't know anything. Yeah. I, Pendleton. Anything cool for pictures. Yeah. Uh, you know, Pendleton, like a, like a, you know, huge arena, all grass. And then you have the, 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 uh, whatever the grandstands and be like you, you would think that there would be some cool pictures from there and 25 PRCA photographers get a chance every year for how many ever days and it, it doesn't get done. So, and why is that? Uh, uh, because they all stand in the same place and they're all there to drink beers and tell stories and, yeah. uh, you know, whatever. Um, you know, they're, they're not, these people aren't, they're, the the thing about it is like the easiest way to, to like, uh, delineate all of this is just to say, this is, P professional, right? That's the the beginning of all of this. And if you are not a professional photographer, and if you're retired from the postal service, and you're taking your RV out every couple weekends because you need to get away from your wife and drink some beers when you're not allowed to, or something like that, uh, I don't know that we need to have the PRCA like underwriting all of that. Well, and I I wonder sometimes too when I thought about it today, are there any other pro sports that let a photographer on the field of play really like you don't no. see a photographer <laughs> no. on the nfl no, and field you don't no, see no, him no. In, the, in the on the fucking ice at the in the nhl it's like jim from canmore just in the saddle dome shooting pictures of the flames yeah on the just ice showing up just for the weekend out, <laughs> yeah yeah i mean like corners. before the, before the game the team the team guy can go out there um but yeah i mean it's it's not safe you're not you're not shooting the hockey game you know no um and, but in rodeo same, you're allowed to be in the arena yeah, which out. is honestly, honestly, it's, you know, it's one of the reasons why I continue to shoot rodeo, right? Like it's, uh, it's harder to make a living in rodeo than it is in baseball, right? Like I could have uh, a whole lot less travel, a whole lot less days away from home or whatever, and, and make the same or more money if I stayed here and shot baseball. Um, one of the reasons why I like rodeo is that I can get, um, you know, close to, to the action, like, you know, being in the being in the dirt is nice, but it's not even just that it's being behind the shoots. It's being able to shoot underneath the fence. Like the, at an NFL game, there is a line that goes all the way around the outside of the field and the bench area too. Right. So you, you can imagine it's like a rectangle, but it has like two, you know, oblong kind of ends on it for the benches. And th- I think it's like five yards. There's like a TV line. That's like two and a half yards. And there's a photo line that's um, five yards off of that. And so that's as close as I'm getting, right? So even if somebody crashes out of bounds, I'm still a couple yards away from them. And in rodeo, I've definitely felt, you know, horse tails and, you know, been whipped by bull's tails and whatever. So that uh, being that close, and it's not, I'm not like an adrenaline junkie. That's not what it is. It's the, the unlimited uh, possibilities for the angles, like being that close and not having something in your way and being able to move, um, you know, like in hockey, I shoot through a, a hole in the glass and it's just big enough for me to put my lens through. Right. So I only have that area that's basically right in front of me. I can, I'm not shooting all the way up the ice unless the hole that I'm looking at is shooting. You know, there's, there's only so much you can do with rodeo. I can choose which side I'm on. I can lay down in the dirt. I can shoot from behind. I can shoot from the announcer stand. And so that variety is what makes rodeo never, ever boring. Like I never, I, like I always think about when I'm going to shoot baseball, like, oh man, this is going to be boring. And I literally never think that when I'm going to shoot rodeo because of all those possibilities. Have you ever been run over? Like you're in a, in a wreck or anything? Um, 
so I've never had like a really bad wreck. I've had a couple, um, I, I had a, uh, a horse come out of the, a bucking horse come out of the chute and paw me a couple times and, uh, gave me like some contusions on my, I had like broken ribs and a contusion on my hand and the paramedics strapped me to a board and cut my clothes off and we're going <laughs> to like, they were going to take me to the hospital or something. And only because the, uh, the guy who jumps in with the American flag and the parachute or whatever was there. And like, I was able to like make eye contact with him and he was able to get them to get me out of there. Otherwise they would have taken me away. Like, you know, I, I, th I think I may have still had my boxers on, but they had cut everything else off of me and I'm sitting on this backboard and there's like all these people like, look, it was awful. Um, <laughs> And then I've had like close calls where I had to run away and jump over the fence and like, you know, like broke a rib running into the fence or whatever. I've had uh, a horse step on my foot and, you know, give me a good softball size bruise on my foot. And I've been hip checked into the wall by a horse. So, yeah, nothing uh, like nothing catastrophic or whatever, but definitely like, you know, broken ribs and bumps and bruises. I wanted to ask about about the angle thing and and the other and some of the other old school folks just shooting from one position. Like there's, and I I don't mean to give shit to Mike Copeman. I'm not. That's not what I'm out here to do. But but he he's a straight action guy. If you want a picture of yourself from this rodeo from 15 <laughs> years ago, he's got this shot. That's what he does. He gets every single one. You go you you. Uh, there's a guy like Covey up here, and he's got a little bit of everything. You might not have your action shot but he's got some other really cool stuff from that's uh, the candid stuff and whatnot. What, what, do you, what are your thoughts on the angle side of things? And, and I'm just curious to hear what you think. Cause it, cause what you do is not stand in one spot and get everyone. It, it's whatever you kind of feel like doing that day, isn't it? On a Canadian podcast, are you allowed to slag another Canadian photographer? I'm not slagging Mike. I'm just saying that was his MO. No, no, Kobe. No, it sounded like you were slagging Kobe. No, not at all. Kobe, I like what Kobe does. Okay. Kobe's one of my best friends. No, I'm just, I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> yeah. And he, I, I got to ask about, uh, there, there's two, I got two words, adorable Canadian. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, there? no, I, going back to Mike, like, I don't want to slag <laughs> Mike. I, I think Mike's, that, Mike's amazing. Um, I love Mike. I love, and I want to like, I, I don't, I've known I don't, him since I was a well, kid. Yeah, let's not get, right? let's not get carried I'm not, away. Gi I'm not um, giving Mike shit. I'm just saying that's what he did is he, he shoots the, the straightaway shots. Yeah. That's what he does. I, I agree. Right? I, I, yeah, that's, I, agree, that's his I agree with your, I agree with your assessment for sure. Um, I, I don't, to me, you can't like, I guess it would be a dick move to say, oh, to me, that's not photography, right? Because that's not, that's not fair, right? He is photographing it. So I guess, you know, to say otherwise would be a dick move, right? That's not my understanding of photography. It's just uh, the, the idea that I'm going to load up all my stuff and drive for nine hours to go to a rodeo or something and then go there and make even if it's the the best version of that picture, it's still going to look basically like every other picture. Yeah. Right? It's a, like you every, cannot, every one is the same thing yeah. where you, you have a different photo and that's your, that's your goal where his goal was to get every person at every rodeo from that shot. So he could sell them yeah. a picture of their yeah. competition run, right? That you're, you're more after creating the, the visual from the event. That's going to experience. Catch, yeah. It's going to catch yeah. someone's eye. That's going to make someone buy something or, or it's a different it's a different thing. He would he he his uh, main customers uh, ended up being the the contestants. Where you're after the bigger picture and the bigger brands and the and the the 
I'm not sure what I'm trying to get at here, but you're you're yeah it. no I it's a different I it's understand different... I understand what you're saying I, I guess yeah. I'm just looking at it as um yes I I would rather have a good picture of somebody that didn't win any money than a bad picture of the the winner of the rodeo every yeah. time and like that that answer you can ask me that when I'm in my deathbed and it will be the same it'll be the same exact one oh, yeah. I don't I'm not trying to not get you know, normal action pictures. Like I shoot my share of those also because my clients need those too. But I, I feel like my social media is my portfolio. And I used to have, I still have it, but I don't really use it anymore. But like a website and every couple of months I change all the pictures or whatever. And now I get to update my portfolio every day. And the, to me, it's like, there are definitely people who are, you know, otherwise like able to operate a camera you know, uh, properly who you go to their Instagram and you're scrolling and you're scrolling and you're scrolling and you're like, wow, this is one picture done in 40 different, you know, uh, you know, different variations or whatever, but it all looks, if you're scrolling, they are, they're all going to look exactly the same. And I just, I, I don't know. I don't know how they do that. Right. I don't know like where the drive comes from to continue doing the same thing over and over again, because to me, I get, even if I come home with like, um, a whole rodeo's worth of usable pictures or whatever, if I don't have one that makes me go, oh yeah, I definitely never did that before. That's a failure to me, right? Like I'm trying to do something that I've never done before every single, not every rodeo, but every perf. And if there's a slack in a perf, I'm trying to do it, you know, twice in that day. And to me, I don't know. I don't, I just I don't know what the alternative to that is. I guess it's what is what they do. I would I would say that Kobe is way closer to how I see things than either he or I are to to the way that Mike does things. Um, I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm just saying that I don't. Um, that's not what I I don't care to be judged, uh, you know, against that because I could do that with you know like a sleep. Like I could shoot a rodeo. Um, you know, with uh, having, ha I could have my earbuds in and I could be having a two hour long conversation and still shoot a rodeo and make, you know, like regular action pictures or whatever. Like, it's just not, I'm not even using my whole brain when I'm doing stuff like that. So the idea that people did that for 20 years and that was their whole mission or whatever, I, not me. We got to ask the, Wacy's got one question for then if I remember it, well, I'll ask. Yeah, yeah just, uh, just thanks again, Matt. It's been really good. Like I said, I want to go back yeah. to my Sean Avery comment. It was 100% a compliment. Didn't mean it in a <laughs> nasty way, but um, uh, we ask all our guests this, what is your definition of cowboy shit? Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, so most of the time, <laughs> most of the time I use cowboy shit in the, in the ironic kind of way. So I guess because it's my answer, I'm going to use it that way. I, I use cowboy shit when it's somebody who's doing something like when it's a guy who wears a cowboy shit every day, doing something that's not cowboy shit. That's when I say cowboy shit. For example. Uh, uh, okay. So I have to do this without any names cause I'm trying not to get fined even more than I'm already <laughs> going to, but I, I would say, um, so if I post a picture of someone and, uh, you know, let's say that it is open for uh, open for discussion what's happening in the picture, but nobody is obviously being embarrassed, I guess. You know, let, let's just say it was one person talking to another person. Mm -hmm. And because of how I felt about one of those people, the one person got offended because of that picture. 
and that person wears a cowboy hat for a living. And so to me, I'd be like, oh yeah, that's some serious cowboy shit right there. <laughs> what, what? Getting, getting upset, getting upset because of a, of a picture or whatever, yeah. something like <laughs> yeah. super petty and super not cowboy. That's when I say a cowboy shit. And that's not like, uh, you know, like any offense to you guys, because it's the name of, that's just like, you know, like to me, it was always, uh, cowboys have a code or whatever. But when you are in rodeo and you see, the sausage getting made, you realize who's a cowboy and who's not a cowboy like mm-hmm. really, really quickly. I like it. Thanks for doing this. this yeah, thanks, awesome. Matt. <laughs> Absolutely. Appreciate it, eh? We'll catch up again here soon. Yeah. Again. Take care, boys. Guest today, Mr. Matt Cohen out of San Francisco. Thanks for being on the show. Bill and say, Miss Kitty, have you ever thought of running away? Settling down, would you marry me? If I asked you twice, a baby pretty please. She said yes in a New York minute. You never tied a knot. His heart wasn't in it. I know this part just as he rode away. Well, hung his hat up and kid his face. I should have been a cowboy. I should have learned to rope and ride. Wearing my six shooter, riding my pony on a cattle drive. Shoot low with a riding shotgun. Just like Gene and Roy, singing those campfire songs. Oh, I should have been a meow boy. <laughs> That's gotta what be the track. That's gotta be the funniest <laughs> shit. Storm's just like giggling and just like, oh, this is really bad because you can't hear any background music. Yeah, we think we're doing okay. With I the can't hear myself music. singing, so that's perfect. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably not good, <laughs> but it's fine. On its own, not so good. I wonder if a lot of like bands actually cover themselves up with the music, like with the singers. Probably a little bit, eh? It can be like most most people if they're like musicians and making money. Music they can sing pretty good, <laughs> <laughs> but oh, yeah, man, cool. Okay, fun. <laughs> so the NFR moved to Texas. They they had to announce it the day after we put out our show. Thanks a lot. I know they just thanks a lot, PRCA, big bunch time. of dicks. Uh, anyways, we were. I was. I don't know why I thought football, but it was definitely. I had definitely heard baseball before. Mm-hmm. And I just probably shouldn't have said anything. Well, I think before. like the bit the football anyways. thing because they already had they've already had events in there, so it it would have made sense because like that's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I had heard about the baseball, but I forgot yeah. to put it together before the show. But whatever. Anyways, it's going to uh, Globe Life Field, home of the Texas Rangers. Rangers. Now the NFR. Um, That's kind of cool. Going to have fans. Sounds like fifteen thousand in a building of forty thousand. 
Um, that might be weird, hey? It's a covered building, so I thought it might be outside, but it'll be. It's a covered building, so it'll be probably pretty okay. That's a retractable roof. Uh, yeah, but they'll keep it closed. I would imagine we'll it. have some pretty cool. I don't know what I don't really like. It'll be, yeah, it'll be, be pretty cool. It's cool that it has like a home, and they're gonna, they're gonna make have the event with fans like they want to. Yeah. I guess. So it's the only way they can make it work. Yeah. But I don't think it's gonna pay right yet. I don't think it's gonna pay the ten million bucks. There's no. just, I don't see any way that they can make that happen. Mm-hmm. They don't have any plans together on what they're doing for Cowboy Christmas or for any like anything happening outside of it yet. I, as far as I know, like I haven't seen anything else. They don't know what's gonna happen, and I don't think so. Else some more logistics that need to be hammered out. Yeah, apparently. who knows? Um. Okay, we also have to thank our guest, Matt Cohen. That was what really a, cool, man. What a conversation we had with that guy, hey? He totally, like, man, like I said in the interview, he totally Sean Avery'd me. Because, like, when I, like, as a hockey fan, I hated Sean Avery. Yeah. But then I read his book. I've listened yep. to him, podcast interviews. And you, like, yeah. you learn the method behind the madness and the yeah. why they do the things they yeah. do. And, and it makes why sense. he's a dick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It makes sense. And I, I, I respect that. Mm-hmm. And, I thought, and I'm, a bit, I'm a fan. Yeah. I got to say I am, too. Yeah. And, like, and, like... Ultimately, like breaking it down, he just wants what's best for the sport. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think the PRC is going to hire him to do much for no. them at this point. Which, <laughs> which, which <laughs> like, and like, I don't know. The PRCH maybe should be better at like being open to more stuff like that. Maybe yeah. to help grow. Like, but it's, to an, to an extent, think, to an extent. I don't think. I mean, I don't, I don't think can, he's the solution. But I, I don't know if he's going to be able to fix it. I mean, he definitely knows social media. But it's, I, I, and then, yeah, that, there's, there's more. It's more than just social media, though, right? Sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure, there's more to way more to than that. Mo- the biggest part of it, I think, is well, is the structure of it. I think is part. Yeah, that's part where of the it. that's kind of where the issues lie. We kind of talk about that every time. There, and there, yeah, show, but, but like, there's not very many people questioning it or having these conversations. It's it's nice to I have. I don't think so. It's nice that there's more people out there. Like, it's it more yeah. more outside thinking needs to happen in rodeo. And, I agree. And it then currently does, and he's really I vocal agree. about that. So that's I respect that big time. It was cool. Yeah, it was a great, really great chat. Thanks again to for thanks again to Matt Cohen for being on the show. This week, this was 74. We've got a big show. We actually just recorded it the same day we're doing this. Double down. uh, Sunday's fun day, podcast day. So on our next show, we're going to count down the top 10 Bulldoggers ever from Canada. I guess we should probably start making these a little more broad. We're doing the Canadian ones. I forgot that a lot of folks from the U.S. tune in, so I'm sorry about that, folks. From nice. America, give but hopefully some, you guys give still some, enjoy. Give them some. We had two Americans on the show back to back, so now you gotta get back on some Canadian. Educate content. them a little bit. Yeah, educate them on some Canadian rodeo because we got some badass Canadian rodeo athletes that have done, done well in the states. So. Stuff. Per capita, you could compare. Like, if you compared, I don't know what state. Well, would this be is Saskatchewan of the NHL, yeah. Canada. There you go. There you go. Um, man, I don't know. I don't do. I got anything else? I think we can probably. I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty good. I think it was yeah. good overall. Decent show. Yeah, great show. Great day. Great day. It was still. Today it's nice out. Don't know if it will still be. Hopefully, we'll choose. This. Well, hopefully, uh, the, oh, the, show the golf tournament. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cowboy Classic. You'll. It's after Team this. Cowboy shit coming in for the win. We'll we'll hopefully. tell you tell you on the next show how we did. Hopefully, good. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening, folks. We will uh, catch up again later on for uh, for Cowboy shit. This episode seventy four with Ted and Wacy. I'm Ted. He's Wacy. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening. See you guys next time. Was breaking her heart She was breaking mine So for the sake of her feelings And the sake of my pride I told her not to worry about me So I'm sitting here Soaking up the neon lights Misery looking for some company